Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Christine Corda, host of Kiss Me, I'm Psychic, The Psychic View. You cannot imagine how excited I was to get the opportunity to host my own radio show. As soon as I began, I wanted to get some really exciting and interesting guests. That's when I found out about a free service online called RadioGuestList.com. This is a free service that lists names of experts who are available for guest appearances, as well as a place for you to post your requests for experts that you're looking for. Whether you are a radio show host or want to be a guest, RadioGuestList.com is free and a great place to go to get your guest or to be a guest. RadioGuestList.com, getting you better talk radio show interview guests and sponsors for free. Welcome to Kiss Me, I'm Psychic, the Psychic View. It is time now to receive your signs from spirit. It is time now to learn, to tune in, and connect, to find the power within you. It is time now to listen and to learn, to empower yourself so you too can proclaim, Kiss Me, I'm Psychic. And now, here's the people's psychic, Christine Corda. Hey everyone, and welcome to Kiss Me, I'm Psychic, the Psychic View. I am your host, Christine Corda, psychic medium from Waterbury, Connecticut. Lovely to be here as usual. I have to apologize again for the last couple of weeks. I have been taking care of my mother. My mother is elderly, and in the last couple of months, she has uh, gotten a little bit uh, difficult and, and uh, having some issues with uh, getting around and whatnot. So I've been running around rad. Um, then this. Uh, last couple of days, my youngest daughter got the flu of sort. So the days and nights for me have been very busy, and I have not been able to concentrate on my show as much as I like to, which is basically anally, and I'm tired and have a bit of what my daughter has, so bear with me. And again, please forgive me and be patient. We will be on much more regularly in the coming weeks. Just to demonstrate how bad I have been feeling, I called Dale homie the other day instead of honey. If you've ever met Dale in person, you would know that he is not a homie. But he is here tonight in all his hominess. How are you doing, Dale? I'm fine, dog. How are you? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Happening, I, I guess. Uh, and I had my laptop fixed, so we're going to be on... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to be on Z Talk Radio on Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully, uh, tomorrow starting... And, um, wow, can you get enough of us? I guess we'll find out. So if you want, you can go over to ztalkradio.com and you can visit my show page over there. Um, it's the one with my big head on it. For some reason, on those banners, my head looks very large. Anyway, enough about that. Today is Saturday, February 26, 2011, in case you forgot. And we have a very special guest tonight, Dr. Michael Nusatelli, and we will get to him in a couple of minutes. I just want to talk a bit uh, before, because tonight is a very important show. It's an important show to me, and it should be to you. 
this is a subject uh, I put down in the show description, and it's for um, Satanic Ritual Abuse, SRA for short, and Cult Crime. Um, and this is important to me. As many of you know, I was very abused in my childhood. I'm not going to get into my whole violin playing uh, thing. You've heard about it. doesn't matter. Um, normally abused, not that abuse is normal, but also cultically abused. But to begin, I want to tell you all that tonight, nor at any other time, is my mission to prove anything to anyone about what happened to me, nor is it my mission to argue the reality of SRA or cult crime or abuse. I know what happened to me. Never had any memories recovered. Uh, never need to, actually. They were always there. Don't have any desire to prove what happened to me. I've had said to me that I'm faking it, making it up, false memory, what have you. Really don't care what you think. This is not a show for that. Just to let you know, if you call in and you want to talk about the reality of it, I'm going to hang up on you. Um, this is a show that I want to use to educate people on abuse. When there are victims of abuse, as human beings, all of us should be doing our damnedest to prevent it and not worry about conspiracies going on or who's right or who's wrong. Let's leave it up to the religions. That's best for them to, to figure out who's right and who's wrong. The facts are that, the, that there are heinous crimes heinous abuse that takes place in people's lives and children are suffering and people's lives are disrupted and really affected for many, many years. I just want to make myself clear on that and I hope that if you are someone who is listening who has suffered abuse or God forbid still are in any form, you will find hope that there is healing. It takes time and just to let you know that there are people who believe you um, in my opinion, none hurts more than being told that you were making it up. I mean, Jesus, my abusers told me I was making it up. So when you go for help and somebody tells you you're making it up, it's kind of like a double whammy, you know? It should be criminal, especially if you're in the psychiatric field or some other field where you should be a little bit more ad objective than that. So conspiracies aside, figure out if Bigfoot is real and UFOs are coming on some later time, please feel free to call in. Post in chat, um, you know, with your questions or your comments. The call-in number is 347-637-1441. Now, I'm going to welcome my guest, Dr. Michael Nusatelli. How are you today, doctor? I'm fine, thank you. That's great. I'm so happy that you came here. I'm happy that I got uh, in contact with you. Now, you've been a practicing psychologist for 10 years. Are, you still are, or are you now into the area of uh, of consulting? Yeah, for the last two years, I've moved into primarily taking on more of a educational research, getting involved with uh, you know media such as a show like this, because what I truly enjoy is educating the public on a variety of topics. It just happens that this evening, this is a very serious topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you. I know that you worked on the case out there in Arizona, um, the the young man, uh, Jared Loeffner. Yes, Mr. Loeffner, the Arizona okay. shooter. Now, did you and meet what him? A mug sh uh, no, I did not meet him. Um, during, uh, well, after the shooting, uh, because that was out in Tucson, 
Um, the week after, I must have, you know, nationally did between 10 and 12 uh, radio shows um, all on uh, this young man's profile as right. to, you know, one, being a rampage killer, and then two, you know, defining what is the difference, you know, under a rampage killer, you have a spree killer, you have a mass murderer, and then I was asked, uh, goodness gracious, a whole cornucopia of uh, questions on, uh, you know, what kind of individual would do this. And mm. then I'm sure you and your and your listeners <laughs> seen the picture, the uh, yes. mugshot, um, and it wasn't it. even a mugshot. I mean, from what I understand, that was taken uh, from a local reporter. Um, but that really just mm. made uh, the entire uh, situation just gruesome. <laughs> He looked, um, well, to be blunt, he looks crazy. His eyes have that look that that suggests that he's not really there, if that's the right way to put it. You know, like he's someone's. But, you know, it was interesting because I, I don't follow crime. I really don't. I don't read a lot on ritual abuse. I don't uh, go in and try to get support or anything like that. I've been done, never, haven't gotten support for that ever, really. And I don't intend to ever again, but... Uh, you know, he, the first thing I noticed about him was he really did seem, uh, the look of his face, and I know this is not really psychological, but the look of his face has the look of someone who <laughs> would, might be in a cult. Most certainly. When I saw when I the, the first time I saw the picture, um, you know, I, I, I seen it on television, and I was just, you know, I had a pit in my stomach. Just the the mm. sight. I mean, the smugness of you know the, the the kind of like a half smile in his eye. It just mm-hmm. it, it was very uh, it was a very evil look. Is yeah. uh, you know the best way to describe it. I'm sorry, I don't have a. Uh, great forensic psychological term being a forensic psychologist but he really uh goodness gracious yeah well the thing of it is i've seen that look enough in my life they they have a look of of just no it isn't even that they don't even care that they did wrong that they you know that they they don't even know that the actions that they took were wrong and and i want to get to that because um some of the things that i've been thinking and, and going into my history uh, and what happened to me and having to lift myself out of me- genuine people who want to genuinely help me. But, um, you know, I was going to ask you, why do you think, first of all, it's kind of a loaded topic, but why do you think people join cults in the first place? Just a basic need to be in control, or is it a need to blame their actions on something or someone else? Well, I think it depends on the individual. I think part of all of us, um, it's all part of the human condition. It's just that the, the majority of us engage in social interactions in a positive manner, such mm-hmm. as you know having children, having a family, having a girlfriend or wife, uh, having friends um, over. Um, so that's part of all of it. We're, we're social creatures. It's just unfortunate that some people go off the path and they get uh, what I call you know which is the uh name of my uh my blog and hopefully my book dark psychology which is this uh this chasm or place somewhere deep deep within the mind where people end up going and uh you know based on my theory is that once they get close 
it's almost, and, and not to get uh, too much into astronomy, but it's almost like uh, getting close to a black hole, that there's no escape, that mm. they become absorbed by the, by the darkness, and um, that's when people do heinous things. Yeah, that that's pretty that's pretty bad. I mean, it wasn't even like it was planned. It was just like he kind of, you know, waved his gun around and just uh just uh, I don't know though. They're going to use a whole bunch of defenses on him and and to me, it seems like he might have might have had somebody helping, but here we go with the conspiracies conspiracies again. Right, um, right. Do, do you work with victims of of satanic ritual abuse directly? Uh, I would have to say that, I mean, I've, uh, you know, I started working in mental health uh, 25 years ago and mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, did private practice for 10 years. And I would say of the hundreds of people that I had worked with, maybe, maybe three had dabbled, um, you know, that had truly dabbled in uh, satanic or, you know, whether you call it devil worship or the dark side. Um, there, you know, I was also, you know, doing quite a lot of child and adolescent treatment. So you had that element, but they really weren't, um, I don't know how to define it, but they weren't really genuine in terms of their true belief system. They mm. were doing it more to, and they tended to be uh, young men. And uh, although there were females as well, but uh, their rationale at least that I, I gained from, you know, our therapeutic exchanges, is that they were really scared young men, and they were using it as a defensive shield to kind of protect themselves. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I kind of think, or, or they just want to, yeah, to make an excuse for their behavior. That That's my opinion on why people do that. Um, now, going back to what I said in the beginning about some, you know, there, there's a lot of people, and I read through your blog today, uh, your website, which is at www.darkpsychology.co. It's not com, because I was over at darkpsychology.com, which <laughs> yes. was, I, and I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, wow. And and actually, uh, I started my blog three days before the Super Bowl. I called GoDaddy, and uh, <laughs> they had said that .co was the big thing that was coming out. That mm -hmm. uh, the thing about uh, .co is that it's global, where anybody in the world they don't oh. have to attach something after that to uh, contact you. Right. Oh, so cool. I can only hope that it becomes popular. Yeah, but I was reading your yeah. It's very good. It's a very good blog, and I I really I highly recommend that and, you know everyone listening go over and take a look at it. Um, but the issue of false memories, uh, I noticed that you said. You made a good point. Um, why are people people are fighting about who's right and who's wrong than helping the victims? And that's an extremely good point. But what I've, I've never been sure what the, what is the difference between false memories and memories uh, that just you have. I'm well, sorry, I, other, I mean, if, well, if you, you, you really have. I mean, memories are memories. I mean. Mm. You, whether we've been abused or not, whether we've been through, you know, horrific acts, um, we all, you know, as we walk through life, we kind of subjectively create our own memories as time goes on. But some of them, you know, depending on if they're truly uh, traumatic, uh, we remember them as if they were yesterday. 
Um, right. But others, you know, we kind of uh, embellish, and, you know, the good ones, we kind of make them, you know, is either bigger or faster. But, uh, you know, false memories and repressed memories are very close together, where repressed memories are essentially people who say that, you know, they're walking through life, and then all of a sudden they have this huge, uh, you know, psychological epiphany, and then, you know, all of a sudden everything comes to fruition, and then they start recollecting these horrid events that happened when they were children. Now, false memories are usually alleged by other people or sa- mm-hmm. are saying, well, your memory's wrong, it didn't happen, or a false memory is is that the person has this huge epiphany, oh, my God, I was abused by this next-door neighbor, and then mm-hmm. through whether it be counseling or thinking about it or just, you know, processing, you know, all the information, they come to realize that, in fact, it didn't happen at all. Hmm. So if I would t- if I were to tell you that I have pictures from when I was in kindergarten that of drawings that were very obviously ritualistic in nature, um, and I never had to, you know, I never had that epiphany. I always remembered, or, or someone else told you that, that would be less likely to be something that's false. Not to say yeah, that Well, somebody's... sure. I mean, well, I mean, one of the things is that, you know, and I worked with a lot of children, um, never worked, you know, I, I did some forensics with, with children where there were abuse issues, but never to the, you know, severity of what I learned studying uh, ritualistic abuse and satanic ritual abuse. But children really, even if they're intimidated and they're filled with fear that um, whoever the predator is is going to accost them, um, they usually can communicate it through art, um, through everything other than saying, you know, Mrs. Jones, I have to talk to you or talking to the the school nurse. It comes Mm -hmm. out in a variety of different ways. Hmm. But does yeah, I, I've I've heard that as well that the art is usually uh I guess it, it can let our, our subconscious or whatever come out more so than uh, And this is where play therapy is mm-hmm. still it's still a very big uh method for forensic investigators and even therapists to work with young children to find out really what is going on inside and then from there is helping them to start to heal. And it's it's been around for, goodness, 40, 50 years now, play therapy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I you know, I would, li- I would like to take psychology courses because as a psychic and I do readings for people, I would like to have some psychological background or training, you know, to be able to deal with people. But I don't have it as it is now. But, um, you know, getting more into that, if that's okay, um why do you think that people don't want to believe it? And I, I've come this in contact is, well, with that a lot. One of the things what? that when I uh, decided to research this topic, I didn't think mm-hmm. it was going to be like jumping into an abyss where there's no end. I mean, I literally spent a close to 40 to 50 hours studying um, both sides. And what I found was is that the 70s and the 80s, going up to even the early 90s, it was in the media. You had movies like The Exorcist. You had, right. you know, satanic worship, so forth and so on. So during that time, society in general was talking about it all the time. 
Amityville mm-hmm. Horror. I mean, that used to be when I was a child. <gasps> oh, I never want to go down to Amityville in Long Island, <laughs> you know, to see that house. And That's a gorgeous but house. yes, I know. But as time went on, um, you know, media and the face of society moved on to other things. But what I've learned is that the two camps, those that believe that it's totally false, it's all myth and legend and false mm-hmm. memory. And then you have another camp that say, no, I was abused as a child. Uh, there was, you know, ritualistic abuse, and there's plenty of evidence. And you have these two contingents that even though you don't see it on the nightly news, goodness gracious, when you go online and you sit down oh at Google, God. oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't do that. It's It's disgusting. Plus, you don't want to get some sexual disease on your computer. I mean, they're really, there are just, there's, yeah, satanic ritual abuse. I read that in your blog, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's there's numerous, you can't even count the number of of websites and and, uh, groups that they have on that, either pro or con. Yeah, and that's why one of the, uh, you know, because my blog is only new, I only started it, uh, you know, and I'm a, Internet done, so I've spent more time on trying to set it up than you know actually yeah. writing. But yeah, uh, one <laughs> one of the six posts is on remorse and the term mm-hmm. sorry, and it's a message to the criminal mind. Um, yeah, I like that one because just as you said, is that these individuals, the true sociopath, and uh, you know later if we talk about the study that was done in the late '80s where, you know, uh, the sociologist from New Hampshire was able to find, you know, he placed uh, a small percentage of this group in that category. Um, they're, they're true sociopaths. They have no remorse. They feel right. uh, satisfaction by victimizing others. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's, it's scary to me. Now, here's just off off the cuff because I like to ask questions. You know, I don't want to put you on the spot, and you don't have to answer it. As a psychologist, and, and just as a person, okay, do you believe that some a person can have any kind of spiritual influence? If, if for me, I don't believe that what my, you know, what happened to me in my childhood raised the devil or anything like that. I think it was just people who were sick, and they did this for whatever reasons they did it. Um, do you believe that someone can become can become possessed? can become slightly influenced by something otherworldly, something inhuman? Well, I mean, but for me and under my dogma and what I believe Mm -hmm. and uh, my theory of uh, dark psychology is that where some, I would have to say yes to your question, but Mm -hmm. I don't put it in a religious context. I put it into not that the sociopath gets closer to evil, even though that's how I would verbalize it and define it, but, you know, it's the farther someone goes off the path and enters the dark side, it's, uh, (laughs) once, I mean, this is where my intrigue comes in, studying the sociopath, the psychopath, so forth and so on. But, uh, you know, not to get religious, but even thinking about Judeo-Christian or Christian theology, the story of Lucifer, of Satan, um, who is supposedly, you know, pristine evil, well, the story of Lucifer, well, his rage and his wrath is against God because God, 
come out of mm-hmm. heaven. So there's, uh, you know, from a forensic standpoint, <laughs> there's a modus operandi. There's a motivation for Lucifer and Satan for being angry um, okay. at God. But the true sociopath is not motivated by rage, is not motivated because he was, you know, uh, deprecated by someone else. The true sociopath, if there is such a thing as, if we say, evil, they don't really have a motivation for what they're doing. Okay, now that's interesting, the way that you just explained that. That's very interesting. I never even thought to think of it that way. But why would I? So in other words, a sociopath has no reason to act the way that, that he or she does. Well, and and also remember, and just like uh, any personality construct, just like any psychiatric illness, it's all on a continuum of mild to severe. So mm-hmm. let's say, for instance, um, I don't know how old your listeners are, but let's say if you remember uh, Scott Peterson, uh, the, the uh, yes. you know, well, okay, he was a sociopath, but he was a functional sociopath. He was able to work. He was able to carry on an affair. And um, he would be uh, a mild, well, I would say more than mild, but he would be towards the moderate um, form of the sociopath because what we learned um, as more evidence came out and more people came you know, up front to talk about it is that he wanted to get out of this marriage. He didn't want to have to pay child support, and he wanted to be with, uh, oh, goodness, what's the blonde's name? Amber Frey. Amber, right, yes. And he was enamored with her, and uh, he had all these, you know, wonderful ideas in his mind. And, uh, you know, for him, the best course of action was to extinguish his pregnant wife. Uh mm. You know, which is very sociopathic, and the pathological lying that mm-hmm. occurred, and all, and that same smugness, kind of like with Jared Lofner, that the just that whole demeanor, uh, you know, is indicative of why he's in San Quentin. Mm-hmm. But now you take a profile like Scott Peterson, and now push him farther to the point where. He's doing what he's doing not because of sexual gratification, not because of financial gain, not because he's psychiatric like, let's say, a Jeffrey Dahmer, but Mm -hmm. doing it for the sake of doing it, for the experience of power. Right. Yeah, so he had, wow, yeah, that, that, I don't know how you can work with those kind of people. I I wouldn't be able to, to, but it is interesting the way you describe it. I've never thought about it that way. I've seen them in the news and I've said, ew, turn the channel, you know. But uh, there's a method behind pretty much everything that people do, basically. Oh, they're definitely, well, Mm. and that is such an excellent point. And dark psychology and the theory um, kind of says, what you just said, Christine, up until 99% of the road. But that last 1%, there isn't a reason, there isn't a purpose. And as the sociopath or the sick person gets closer, like the black hole in at the center of a, of a galaxy, mm-hmm. it accelerates. And they've even done studies and interviews with serial killers who have notoriously said that it becomes an addiction for them. Right. To where where time in and of itself accelerates and that, you know, 
Um, the serial killer, in order to be a serial killer, according to the to the FBI, there has to be some say two, some say three. But what there has to be for a serial killer, other than a spree or a rampage killer, there has to be a cool off period where they've committed the atrocious act, let's say murder or some type of predatorial rape, and then there's a cool-down period. Right. And then it starts again, and it's just like a drug addict or an alcoholic. Mm. So they, they get addicted to the to the high that they get from that behavior. They Exactly. Wow, that's, that's, um, that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Can't objective with that. That's kind of creepy. So, when somebody decides that they're going to be involved, let's say that you know a lot of people who dabble, there's kids that got into Dungeons and Dragons or whatever the game of choice is now to worship the devil. And I'm being facetious a little bit. Let's say there's somebody who really gets into it because the people that I dealt with were really into it. They were not Satanists. And they were not Satanists. They were into the dark witchcraft. Um generational type of thing. Uh, when, when they choose to get into that, is it driven by sociopathic behavior, and forgive me if I get the terms wrong, you can correct me too, or is it just, why, do you know why people, or th- theory why people get into it to begin with? Well, I, w- once again, this all goes back to my own postulates and what I believe philosophically because, uh, you know, um and you're exactly correct, is that not everybody that gets involved in whether you want to call it devil worship or the paranormal or the Netherlands of anything that is anti-Christian, Jewish, or you know, uh, or Muslim, it doesn't mean that they're fueled by an evil force. Um, what I personally believe is that these are people that walk through life and for whatever reason – and not to say that they were abused, but they just don't perceive themselves being part of the community, part of family, and they kind of feel ostracized. And as they walk through life, they eventually meet another person who's part of a group, and they share similar interests, and that's where they start to embark on talking and possibly getting involved in the actual ritual and once there's a group, and a group only requires another person, um, they can now say to themselves, we're better than, we're different than, we're above than them, the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. And where they take that is up to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that, you know, because there's people who do that. And I, I actually believe that it happens, and I know that there's debate about uh, different law enforcement who've been trying to, you know, expose it and, oh, no, they faked it and this and the other thing and it's not real. But I think there's, you know, what what intrigues me in a way, and I don't know if it's sick or not, but why would people get into that type of thing? And then you have somebody who's like Jim Jones who gets a massive amount of people and basically, you know, they all just follow them, drink the Kool-Aid. You know, how that differs from... Somebody using, in other words, somebody goes and worships the devil, yes, and then somebody goes and worships God, but they're still both doing evil. Yeah. Why do they choose the different uh, deities, if you will? Well, then maybe that's why. If you enjoy psychology, maybe you should go into forensic psychology because mm. that is what uh, forensic psychology is all about. 
Um, okay. For in forensic psychology, what you learn, and it's one of the things I never liked about regular psychology. Not that I, you know, put it down because I'm a psychologist, but even when I was young, I always, you know, I don't know if I was able to, you know, because I was young, if I was able to formalize that. People can be evil, and they don't have to have a mental illness. They don't have to be psychiatric to be abusive, to be, you know, heinous. Mm-hmm. There's just something missing. And it wasn't until I started getting, you know, involved in forensic psychology and criminology and profiling that, well, once again, going back to we all need this sense of group and sense of belonging that I met people and I started reading things where I realized that my instincts, that there are people who just do it for the sake of sexual motivation, financial gain, um, and others do it just because they enjoy inflicting pain. And they're not diagnosable by any, (laughs) you know, psychiatric illness. Yeah, well, so in other words... What you're saying is, is practicing ritual abuse, uh, whether it's uh, Buddha they're worshiping or Satan, it doesn't necessarily mean someone is psychotic, but it, and it doesn't make them psychotic, right? Not at all. And it can be any religion. It can be any philosophy. It doesn't have to. It's just that we here, you know, in America, because, you know, staunchly the country is, you know, the vast majority of us are, if not brought up Christian or Catholic or Protestant, we're exposed to it. So we equate, you know, any type of evil doings or any type of heinous actions, we tend to equate it towards the dark side being Satan, evil, the devil. But And I'm sure you know, you could go anywhere in the world and it's not going to be defined as Satan or the devil, um, heinous actions are defined by some other entity, or like in ancient Roman and Greek times, it wasn't one person or it wasn't one god, you know, like Satan. It was a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. It was gods and goddesses fighting with each other, <laughs> you know, somewhere in Olympus, and then taking it out of poor folk down here. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It, it, it's it, it vast, vast uh <laughs> vast amount of, of theories and everything else in history. But now, changing the subject a little bit, if you were to see a person um, that says that they've had some type of ritualist abuse, how do you approach that person from a, a psychological standpoint? I know you say you don't work with victims, but how would a person go about recognizing the signs of ritualistic abuse from a cult? Well, I mean... W- if it's from a cult or, I mean, one of the quickest ways to, no matter what the person has been through, whatever traumatic event, we'll just call it pain, <laughs> whether it be physical, right. psychological, but it's usually they walk hand in hand, um, you tend to look at, um, you know, verbal and nonverbal language. Um, you know, body language says, you know, speaks volumes about a person. Uh, poor right. eye contact, and I hate to use the term, you know, the eyes are, you know, uh, are the windows to the soul. That's really true. Mm-hmm. Um, so nonverbally is that someone who uh, went through uh, an awful experience as ritual abuse, 
um, if they walked in my office and talking to them and they told me about it, that would be one of the things I'd be looking for is, you know, the inability to maintain eye contact. Um, because naturally, because they've been predated upon and because they've been so horridly victimized, they're going to have a difficult time maintaining any type of con- eye contact with anyone, let alone mm. a man, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if they're male or female, they're going to just have a natural cowering action um, non-verbally with another male, you know, person. I mean, right. and, and, you know, a lot of nonverbal um, communication goes back to, and once again, not to insult some of your listeners, but I do believe that we're darn close to monkeys and dogs and lions <laughs> and, and, and everybody else. Um, but when you look at their behaviors, uh, you know, when you look at a pride of lions on the Serengeti, they do the same things. And that's the way domination is, um, you know, established. And that's how you let the bigger lion know that they're dominant by not looking at them, by cowering, by punching these shoulders, and on and on and on. So the nonverbal communication would send, you know, uh, give a lot of information. Hmm. Interesting. So how can a person, because I get calls from people, and I don't ever, you know, I would never attempt to work with somebody who was abused in any way. Um, I would always refer somebody. As a matter of fact, I will keep your name and number, and maybe you can lead them if they ever, you know, need help. I wouldn't be the type of person. But what about people who go... I hate to go on this because I know you're, you don't want to be religious, but it's more of the, the, the listeners that I have and, and a lot of people in the paranormal community, you know, there are a dozen exorcists and, and whatnot. And what bothers me is that these people are attempting to cast out of a person what's part of the person and not necessarily a demon or a spirit or whatever. And there's a lot of damage going on within the churches. Um, for myself in the 90s, I had a formal exorcism, and I'm going to tell you right now, it didn't go very well. And it right. wasn't because my head spun around and I vomited green stuff. It was because they started something that they did not they did not finish. They did not follow through. And the damage that was done to me was, was quite extensive. It took me years to recover from that. Can I just ask you, what decade sure. was that? Was it was that the 70s? No, God, I'm not that old. No, it was oh, in the 90s. It was in uh, 1992. Oh, okay, so it was early 90s. It was still at the tail right. end when the Catholic Church was still, uh, yeah, okay. Oh, no, I didn't think you were, uh, you know, I just, uh, because, you know, as I said, after doing all this reading, um, it was anywhere from the 70s going up through right. up until the early to mid-90s to where the Catholic Church and religious dogma in general was still very much involved. Exorcisms were being, you know, um, they were being coordinated, and media was involved. I mean, it was it was a hot, I hate to say it, it was a hot topic. Well, yeah, then you had, like, people like Ed and Lorraine Warren and, you know, different paranormal investigators who got into the whole thing, and, you know, they wanted to make a, a show out of it. They wanted to make money off of it. So anytime that happens, it's not going to help. It's not going to make things, you know, you're not going to take things seriously. But, you know, to me, and I have to be honest, I believe that it happens. I believe that it happens more commonly than people think. Um, 
But, you know, I also believe that people are being hurt, doubly hurt, by people who shouldn't be involved in the kind of field. They should not be doing exorcisms and all that. But do you ever get people who you... I know that, that I read the, the article by Dr. Michael Gallagher, who works within the church and actually was part of the team that was with me when the exorcism was done, or not done, whatever. Um, do you ever get called into areas where someone might be considered possessed or obsessed for your uh, uh Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's been times where that's happened. I mean, I would say the vast majority of what, what I've done forensically is typical criminal behavior, nothing fancy. Not to say that stuff like that is fancy, but that it would fall into the you know the rare realm to where that doesn't happen often. But mm-hmm. I've been called in. I've done consulting. I have um, you know reviewed reports um, and obviously investigated quite a bit. And uh, the way I've approached it is um, you know whether it be a patient, whether it be a profile, and whether it's the offender or the victim, it, it's not up to me to decide yes or no, um, you're possessed, you're not possessed, you're crazy, if you are, you're crazy, you mm-hmm. know. It's, to me, it's always been, okay, so what does this mean now? You know, it's, it's, that's the way I've always done treatment is very much in the present tense because, mm-hmm. you know, and with, with uh, SRA and RA, it's, it's one of the things, if I was a specialist, I would certainly take that approach I mean, one of the embarrassing things I've learned is that so many people from my industry, and that's awful, um, that actually are willing to stand up and say, you know, that these individuals are saying that they were sexually abused or went through some type of, you know, satanic ritual that they're full of... uh, Oh, that's the radio, so I can't use that word. They're full of crapola. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, you can say shit, but I get your drift. Yeah, yeah, that's what bothers me, too, and and I, I just don't understand that. I mean, I could see if you research somebody and sit down and talk with them extensively, obviously you're trained to recognize things, trained to be able to get things out of people better than most of, you know, the lay people, if you will, but um, I don't understand the, the hostility at times with people with regards to satanic ritual abuse or just cult abuse in general. I don't and understand it, it and at it, all. And, it is, and it's as if it's still the 1970s. I, I mm-hmm. mean, and that's what really amazed me about studying SRA and RA is that when I started, I thought it was just going to be another, not not to, you know, poo-poo it. I just thought it was going to be like another hateful profile and set of circumstances where sick people get involved but after I started studying and getting really, um, you know, deep into it, I started to, f- to realize that it, it, this is there's an undercurrent. There's a huge, I mean, huge population of both professionals and laypersons that are out there mobilized in force, in groups, in organizations, chatting online, on the phone, um, and they're either for or against. Or against. And it's it's kind of like there isn't this happy medium middle, <laughs> you know, and it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, and I, I have to say a lot of the, well, there was maybe three or four groups that I 
approached supportive type groups. Um, I'm not real. I don't like to talk about extensively what I remember. It doesn't make any difference to talk about it. Um, but I noticed that some of these groups seem to have kind of, um, <laughs> I don't really want to try to be funny, but like cult-like kind of behavior where they were just very either clandestine or just a little too pushy about certain things, you know? Uh-huh. Well, come on, come on, Christine, and sit down and have some tea, or God forbid, have a drink of Kool-Aid, and tell us about what happened to you when you were a child. You know, and, and they just seemed either too open to it, too pushy, or just very hostile. Like, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, I had a, a very big battle with, uh, I'm not going to mention who, with somebody who was just attack and attack and attack, and it's like, it's almost like there's hidden agendas on, like like you said, one extreme or the other. How do we get to the middle? How do we find out? How do we find out that hey, sometimes this happens, and this this is this is happening to children. This is ruining children's lives, and not uh, most that, certainly. Yeah, and that, and that's that's such an important piece. And what these individuals fail to forget is that the memories that people are having are coming from when they're children. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and okay, so maybe some of them are embellished, maybe some of them are not absolutely correct, but what child anyway remembers everything succinctly and concisely right. as if it happened five minutes ago? I mean, but then again, maybe they haven't worked with children and teens. I mean, I worked with plenty of them, and uh, that went with the course. I mean, of course, I believe them, but I looked beyond the details of what they were saying and tried to understand, you know, what they were meaning or what they were expressing. Yeah, for me, you know, it took me, you know, I went through the what never happened with myself, no one else. Um, you know, I I struggled with it. I I would have memories, they would become more more clearer. A lot of artwork, I have art, artwork out the wazoo. Um, most of it has not been seen by very many people, but for now, in in 2011, and in the last few years, what I have really wanted to do is to go to, because what happened to me happened in Syracuse, New York, go to Syracuse, New York, poke around from when I was a child, look up into the different places that had happened, and, and try to get some kind of... Um, I don't know how to put not not like a, a I guess validation of it uh you know and look into it and, and more research that it happened and 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 for several years I've been trying to see if there was any people who would be interested in doing that there uh-huh. are none <laughs> I can tell you that right now there are none and you know and just getting a record of it because it would help me to make a lot more closure maybe not really I I have to make closure every day because some of the stuff that happens really, really bad, and people really don't understand that. It becomes like a, uh, what do you call it, like an, um, like a, like a, just like a product, you know, like people are writing about it. It's a product. Hey, let me, let me sell you my book. Let me sell you my theory. Let me sell you um, my group over here on Yahoo or a group on Facebook. But in the end, it's about little kids who are scared to death, you know, and who are trying to get on with their lives and trying to make closure when the the people that they're trying to get help from are resisting them and saying, no, it never happened. When I was abused, 
that's what they said to me. Oh, you're making it up. When I tried to confront the abusers, when I tried to confront or tell people about it, oh, no, you're making it up. She's making it up. I can't imagine uh, now somebody trying to come out, get help, and find the closure that they need. If that didn't come out too rambling, I think it did. But it, 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 it bothers me, and it'll bother me for the rest of my life that this kind of circle thing goes on, you know? Yeah, what it's, is, unfor- it's unfortunate that even today, in 2011, we think we're the apex of you know, civilization and scientific and behavioral and we're excellent communicators. But I can tell you, I've only, you know, stepped out of actually doing, you know, working with children and and teenagers. It's only been about uh, two and a half years. But uh, even as late as two and a half years ago, I was working with uh, young folk that were uh, being predated upon by uh, adults. Um, were victimized, were molested, and one of their their biggest pet peeves <laughs> was that nobody believed them. Yeah, and we're yeah, not it's... talking about ritualistic or satanic or you know uh, things that you know I could imagine that adults would say, "Well, you're obviously delusional." I mean, these are young people, and we're talking what 2009 that are Mm -hmm. saying that I was sexually abused by my next-door neighbor or my uncle, and the adults around them are looking at them and saying, well, Mm -hmm. you know, I caught her with a nickel bag of marijuana two weeks ago, so she's obviously off a rocker, you know? And we're still premature and we're still primal in terms of, one, identifying um, when a child a child has been victimized, and then once we uh, it's been said is believing it, and then the next step is doing something about it. Yeah, and and if if you don't if we don't believe it fully, at least give them the benefit of the doubt because where there's pain, something's going on. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And and that's my 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 feeling about it because I but but if you do what is the what is the, what is the best way for somebody who has undergone ritual abuse, and I mean, uh, in this case, satanic ritual abuse, what's the best way that they can become better? Is it, do you think, group therapy, one-on-one therapy, art therapy, what? Well, it would first and foremost, it would have to depend on the age of the victim. Um, mm-hmm. That would be the first thing to assess. If they're older, uh, let's say they're 20s and above, uh, group therapy could be very therapeutic. You would have to have them in a group, and you'd have to make sure that the group members are not hostile, aggressive. They don't have personality disorders where you know they have smatterings of, you know, having a need to be dominating. So you'd have to, you'd have to be. I mean, a group could be very good, but you'd have to be real good at strategizing the group members before you even place the person there. Yeah. And then yeah. the second step is is with individual psychotherapy, it's it's the strategy is is that it's gonna take a long time and that yeah. uh you're not gonna get any miracles, you're not gonna get any mer- major paradigm shifts and you know, the patient's not gonna come in and say, I'm cured because <laughs> it's a cross that they're gonna bear for the rest of their life. Yeah, you just have to learn to function with it. 
you know, I think that's what it is. But now, as far I know you, you, you don't want to get into the religion, but I just want to brush on this from your your opinion, which I value. Obviously, I wouldn't have you on. Um, within the churches, you get somebody who, for me, and and I and I don't know any other cases, so I have to use me. Year and a half, two years of being tested, uh, all sorts of tests within the Catholic Church um, to see if I was as crazy as I probably am or was, um, they had to make sure that there was nothing going on before they would do a formal exorcism. Do you think, this is kind of a loaded question, but do you think that an exorcism could help a person, or do you think that it would just really do a lot more damage? Let's just say hypothetically somebody does have some spirits around them. Or oh, I think, I, I, I think it, it's kind of hard... <laughs> That's a hard question to answer mm. because if, in fact, and once again, I don't poo-poo it, um, my stance is, is that I'm just too ignorant. I don't know. Um, but if, in fact, there are forces, energies, paranormal, whatever uh, the person defines, it certainly could be thera- therapeutic. But I would have to imagine that, you know, the the group, whether it be Catholic or whatever the the religious dogma would be, they'd have to be very sensitive. Um, I can understand, although it even borders victimization of having to put a young person through an inordinate amount of psychological tests to try to rule out uh, psychiatric illness, well, I'll be the first to tell you that (laughs) paper and pencil tests, are nothing to uh, you know write home about. You know you can give a person all the tests you want, and you'll get data, but it's really not going to yeah. speak to what's going on deep inside. Yeah, I think they did that to to uh, free themselves from any legal obligations if something happened. I think that that was the basic thing that they did it for. Um, one of the basic things that they did that for, so they wouldn't be held liable. You know, so they, that I couldn't come back and say, "Well, here I was mentally ill, and you did this prayer, and it and it did this that, and the other thing." Because that's not to be mean, but the Catholic Church has a way of doing that, of protecting right. themselves from you know different lawsuits, or not so much lately. Um, so and what, yeah. and what it comes down to is, you know, it, it's very and not to minimize the situation because it's incredibly complex and it's incredibly. Mm. Uh, confusing to even even understand it but you know when you talk about a, a child or a young person going through whether it be exorcism and then first having to rule out psychiatric illness what you're doing is is that you're differentiating uh the difference between organic illness if it's psychiatric mm-hmm. and whatever <laughs> you, you know yeah, what i'm yeah. saying <laughs> the, the, you know the devil. it's like <laughs> And whatever the person, the group, the community, the society believes in, that's what they're going to equate. Um, Yeah, I mean, and not to put, you know, not to say schizophrenia is, I mean, goodness gracious, it's atrocious. It's an awful thought disorder. Mm. I would never wish it on my worst enemy, but at least you can understand a little bit brain chemistry. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you can understand, uh, you know, serotonin and dopamine and auditory and visual hallucinations. You can understand them. I mean, obviously, you don't experience them, so you don't know the horror of that. But now when you move beyond that, 
and start to venture into the potential of external forces that are at play, um, you're in you're in territory that I have, <laughs> I, I I can't answer that. I, yeah. I I don't even I'm not even close to smart enough to being able to answer that one. Well, I don't know about that. I I it, it, you would have to have the experience of being, you know, because I re- I don't know if you read the article by I think it's Dr. Michael Gallagher. He wrote about um, doing the exorcism with the woman who was I, either she was flying through the air or books were or something, and uh, you know you would have to be there to believe to see that to believe it I guess, and I I wouldn't wouldn't uh, question that at all. But what I what I like to try to do, and I don't talk about this as much, but put a face, you know, put a put a face to the subject, you know, put a, a human face to the subject, and then that might make it a little bit easier for people um, to be less hostile and to be less um, jaded, if you will, you know, and say that it does really happen, and it's it's not really the the the, the little pieces of it, but the the solution, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, so take it that you've never been involved with any church or anything like that. Would you be open to if someone asked you to uh, consult on a, a case of demonic Oh, of course I would, yes. Okay. I mean, I, I had to go to religious instructions and baptism I, uh, yeah. and confirmation. And, yeah. you know, so I was brought up, you know, begrudgingly uh, Catholic, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I would never have an issue with uh, participating in anything like that because I wouldn't immediately assume that the individual is psychiatric. Okay. And and from the research that I did did in uh, SRA and RA is the contingent that is against, you know, uh, even remotely thinking about the potential that it it's an ongoing, and I'll tell you, it's ongoing. I've read enough. Um, I may have not actually evaluated from a forensic standpoint a uh, head of a satanic ritualistic group, um, mm-hmm. but you don't have to. Um, just knowing uh, of the many children that I've worked with that have been sexually or physically abused in the most preposterous, perverted ways. Mm-hmm. And these are yeah, people yeah. that aren't satanic. So now throw oh, yeah, in a little yeah. bit of, uh, you, you know, and uh, so to me, <laughs> I don't see why there's such a large contingent out there saying it's non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, it I, happens every day. Oh, my God. I mean, people, you know, I, I said to one person one time, you don't believe that satanic ritual abuse happens. I said, here's a woman out in Indiana or wherever that, that goes to her neighbor's house, her pregnant neighbor, and I don't want to get graphic, but cuts the belly open to get the baby because she wants the baby to love, has been pretending she's been pregnant for nine months. If a person can do that without any religious, you know, devil undertones or overtones, there's a lot worse that can happen as far as I'm exactly. concerned. Exactly, exactly. So, human, yeah. Normal and maybe that's behavior. where... Oh yeah, <laughs> and and when you when you study forensics and you work in the the forensic realm, and maybe that's the difference. I I don't know. I've never uh, studied the non forensic mental health field compared to the forensic men, but I can tell you, working in forensics, I mean, you really get to hear, read, learn, see just how 
evil and awful people mm-hmm. can be. I mean, it, it makes Lucifer own. and Satan, you know, yep. he's not too on bad. Their own. <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally, and they do this on their own. That's the thing. It's just exactly. like exactly. How can you say it's not going to happen with people who worship the devil? They do it on their own. You know, Correct. they don't need anybody to help them along. But now, on the subject of of what you read, do you have any any books that you could recommend for people who are either wanting to help uh, clients or clients who who need uh, help to get better from their own abuse? Do you have any books that you recommend besides your own that you're coming out with? Well, by the the book that hopefully has one of the downsides of being uh, ADD uh, <laughs> is. Um, you know, anything that ha- – I mean, there isn't – and I'm also not a bibliophile, so it's not as if I go online and purchase <laughs> e-books or go to Barnes & Noble. Uh, I do like to watch TV every now and then, but uh, it, it's it's very easy. It, it's going online, but it it's an approach. It, mm-hmm. You can read all the books and, and see this is where some of these experts that are coming out that I read about – you know, it doesn't matter how much you read, but if your if your position is that when somebody acts in an aberrant way and says that something, you know, aberrant or or out of left field happened to them, you can't immediately assume that they're psychiatric or that they're attention seeking. The one thing that I learned in all the years of working in mental health is that young people um, is that the more bizarre, okay, their story is, the more the adult group is going to perceive them as being, you know, lying or worse, mm-hmm. attention-seeking. Hmm. And that yeah. that's really the uh, is really the downside. And, uh, you know, I learned early on to where, you know, the story goes in one ear and out the other, and what I focus on is more what's going on inside. Yeah. Dale, I'm sorry. You had a – did you start to say something? Uh, no, I was just uh, – you know, it's just – people, I think, deny – are in denial about this because they just don't want to think that their fellow man or woman or whatever can – can be this cruel, this mean. That you know, that's that's why people don't want to hear it, or or just won't accept that it goes on. Yeah, you know, and they, that's quite exactly <laughs> denial. I mean, that is you know, turn of the century, eighteen, you know, late eighteen nineties. The German psych Sigmund Freud came up exactly what you just said is is denial, and that yeah. is a huge component that he coined, you know, a defense mechanism a hundred and some odd years ago, and it happens not only in the professional community, the non in our day-to-day lives. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's a huge factor, and you're, right, you're exactly right, is people don't want to believe that somebody down the road would actually brutally rape a third grader. Right. Yeah. But yet they play softball with them over the and on and mm-hmm. on and on, but yeah, you, you, have, you can't, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. That's it, you know, just, because you, you you almost, you, you don't want to believe it, but it, the facts just are there that it happens, like you said, all the time. Yeah. On a daily basis, and 
people are the human the human race as a whole is pretty 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 brutal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you really are. You, I I liked your uh, example of the, the bridal lines and the Serengeti. I was just what well, you were saying brutal. I was thinking of that, but you know, and I even hate yeah. to use a pride of lines because they seem a little bit more <laughs> conscientious. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they kill, but they at least they kill to eat to survive. Yeah. Oh, dear. I mean, we're the only species that actually, you know maims and kills and hurts uh, and, you know, practices violence, but yet there isn't a survival purpose for it. Right, exactly. That's yeah, psychology. They have, they have a very good reason to do what they do, yeah. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. We have a caller, and the area code is 203. Uh, thank you for calling Kiss Me, I'm Psychic. You're on the air. Hi. <laughs> Hello. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. And they hung up. Well, that's okay. If you want to call back, you can call back 347-637-1441. Actually, there were three calls, and then one stayed. The other two dropped off. I hope it's not this blog talk. Switchboard gets very funky. Call back. We're, we're here if you want to call back and ask your question. This is uh this is very enlightening to me. Um you know, you can't think enough about human behavior. You can't think enough of how to prevent and certainly how to heal. I, I can't uh yeah, I can't fathom most of it, although I probably should be able to. Um hmm. So you would recommend uh, not going through Google for a survivor, huh? Because I know a lot of the people that I've come in contact with will try to find different groups and whatnot to get support. You would you would not recommend doing that. Well, you you got you 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 have to just like when you go uh, to the mall to buy a pair of sneakers, you have to be an educated consumer, and mm-hmm. that applies to not only those pair of sneakers, but to mental health, to recovery, um, to basically anything. Um, even down to going to meet with a supposed uh, mental health expert, like a psychologist <laughs> like me. Um, if if I ha- And I'm supposed to be objective, but if you walk into my office and let's say I am, and nothing against the reborn Christian faith, nothing against those listeners, I'm just using mm-hmm. it as an example. I'm pretty sure but I don't have any of those. <laughs> but let's say I'm a, you know, doctoral level clinician, psychologist and certified with diplomat, but I'm a reborn Christian and I'm staunchly uh allied with scripture, it's going to be very difficult for me to maintain an objective stance when my patient, let's say you, are starting to talk about, you know, satanic worship and ritualistic uh you know, uh, activities that were going on, and then I have to, what they call primary empathy, I have to walk in your shoes, it's going to be very mm-hmm. difficult for me. Because you like it or because you don't feel that you can? Well, because my dogma, being a reborn Christian, would okay. be is to look at you not as a patient, but as somebody who is not spiritual anymore. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still I'm still that reborn Christian psychologist. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that that's another very good point. Yeah, 
I never. You have to remain effective. I get that. Yeah, that's a um, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things too that that I recall happening to me is is I used to have, for reasons that everyone can figure out on their own, an aversion to different religious articles, different religious prayers, and um, you know, there were people that actually said to me, and again, well meaning people, I'm not talking that they're they were uh, horrible people, um, said to me, Well that's because you have uh Satan around you and possibly in you and the, the you know, I mean you, you say that to somebody and, and I'm I'm touching on this because a lot of my listeners do um are in the paranormal community. They do end up uh meeting with different clients who may or may not have any kind of human activity. But, you know, there's aversions to things that can be psychological that in the community of the paranormal is being said that it's not. And, Correct. and I see a lot of people who, who go after it from a spiritual perspective, like the born-again uh, psychologist, and they shouldn't be doing it because, you, like I said, before, you can't cast out something that's part of somebody. Exactly. And And that's a big problem within... The paranormal community, you go on TV, you can watch these shows, and they're running around. I've never seen anyone actually do an exorcism on television, but you go on YouTube, you can find it. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, you know, you're you're telling somebody that they're going to be freed by God, or prayer, or what have you, but then on the same token, you're telling them that they're suffering something because they weren't good enough for God. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. And it's it's a nasty, little vicious circle that you get into. And it took me, I, Dale, I don't even know how long. It took me a long, many, many years to get out of that and say, no, it didn't. No, that's, that's not what it means. You know, that's not at all what it means. And it's, it's, it's a shame because religion, spirituality, meditation, whatever you want to, whatever church you want to go to, whatever spiritual path you want to take, can calm a person, can help in the healing process, so you have the double, the double whammy again, the double whammy again. So for my listeners, please, if you're a paranormal investigator, don't take it upon yourself to discern if something is all spiritual. Never ever assume that you are smart enough or good enough or psychic enough to know. Always call on somebody who knows who's been trained. That's why they were trained. That's what they went to school for. Don't jump into things, you know. Don't go in doing prayer and holy water and all that. Um, you can really, really damage a person. Really and the damage same a person. thing applies to if you have any attorneys that are staunch medical psych, you know, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, so forth and so on, is that if they do end up having a patient or doing a clinical or working with someone. Um, where there are elements of, you know, some type, whether it be demonic or evil forces, is not to immediately pull out, not the Bible, but the Diagnostic Statistical mm-hmm. Manual of Psychiatric Illness and tag them in 10 minutes and say, this person's nuts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if somebody's throwing up and projectile and green spine and their head spinning around, I'm going to guess it's not going to be in that book. Just a, just a guess. But, you know, it, it, like you said, where's the middle ground? And that's that's really interesting. But do you ever speak to or would you consider speaking to paranormal uh, groups 
course I would. Yeah, that would be that would be good. I I would I would ask you. <laughs> I would have people listen to you because that's um there's so much that you know a person who's trying to get out of this faces in trying to get out of it. I I hope really hope that that at some point in my lifetime anyway, um it can it can change and there will be more resources. And also I think that people deny it and they keep it under wraps because they don't want the mass panic, you know, like the world war of the worlds created. If, if everybody said, well, here's satanic ritual abuse and it's real, and then they showed it, people, many, many people would go in, might go into a panic, and that would not be good. And I think a lot of times things are kept down um, for that reason, you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, and for me, but, and once again, I hate to take it from a forensic angle, and I know it sounds right. somewhat pessimistic, but it really is not, is that there's nothing that I had researched or read studying SRA or RA that shocked me because I know that us regular human folk commit things even worse. Right. And there is no paranormal, and there is no... And it's just sheer sexual, aggressive, financial greed, and one of those mm-hmm. three modus operandi, and people are willing to go to. <laughs> it's just uh, any length. Any length. Any length. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. So, is there is there hope for for getting? Uh, Getting it better, getting it better, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, there was many, I know there was a lot of psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, groups, different hospitals that would have programs that specialized in in SRA. Um, uh, What is it? The people have many personalities, um, multiple personalities. Oh, well, it's now called, well, let's be official, it's Uh-oh. now called <laughs> Dissociative Identity Disorder. Oh, okay. Is that what it's called now? Oh, yeah, oh. but I love MPD, Multiple Personality Disorder. It's always yeah. been, and they're so rare that uh, it's always been, a not to say a dream of mine, but I always had <laughs> hoped to have uh, gotten to uh, treat uh, an MPD, but uh, it just never came to pass because they're so rare. Is it really rare? Well, then the late 80s came around, and then the 90s, and then all of a sudden, the, all the supposed multi-personality disorder patients out there, there was a uh, uh, counter-contingent that came in and said, they're not really multi-personality, they're borderline and making it up for attention. Oh my God, that's like, Wow. Yeah, so a subcontroversy within the contingent, yeah, and just on, 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 on. So that's why slowly, that's why, I mean, and that's one of the reasons why it's not called multiple personality disorder. It's called dissociative identity disorder. Hmm. Yeah. Now, do, now do people who, who, when people are abused, do they always get PTSD, which I don't know if that is, is associated with the I'm going to get all my acronyms wrong. Well, I'm sorry. What what is to, uh, when people oh, get PTSD, abused, post traumatic stress? Yeah. yeah, is that well? I don't want to say. That? Well, if if they don't have the actual, if they don't fit the criteria for the actual diagnosis of PTSD, they're darn close. Um, okay. Because. P- 
people who go through traumatic events uh, we're not meant to go through that and unfortunately the younger a person is the easier it is to warp their soul you know um i know and that's where ptsd uh really can really um really impact a person and it's not something that uh you can cure it's not something that you know you just need a little bit of medication and you know get a new job move down the street it's something that people typically carry for the rest of their lives right but it gets it gets lesser and lesser in degree <laughs> exactly hmm scary subject now people who go through the abuse um heavy sexual abuse um ritualistic to me the ritualistic aspect of it where they will use a deity god the devil whatever um whether real or not it, it that's not the question here when something happens like that the the outcome is real you know and exactly. um, um do you think the, I mean that to me is the most horrific thing that you can do to a person it's just so distorted you know you you think of pray, saying a prayer and a little kid saying a prayer and, and feeling afraid of god or afraid of reading the bible or whatever um does everyone who undergoes or the majority of people who undergo that type of really drastic sexual and, and ritual abuse, do they always end up with disassociative disorder or borderline disorder, which is the same? I don't know. No, no. I mean, no. I, a good percentage of people that are traumatized, whether it be um, sexual abuse or physical abuse, um, we can just we could even just say some of our veterans who are coming back from mm-hmm. Afghanistan and Iraq are, are PTSD. These are individuals that have been through severely traumatic events, and you know it's it's life changing for them. Um, now, unfortunately, for children, they they don't have well, it's it's good and it's bad, but what they don't have is the mental capacity to think in terms of the big picture. They right. can't think in terms of, whereas an adult can, uh, you know, think about God and think about, you know, what psychologists call gestalt, if you don't believe, you know, the big picture and what it all means. Um, children don't have that capacity until they get older. Right, yeah. Abs- more like abstract thinking? If Well, if you want to say, yeah, sure, abstract uh, thinking, expansive thinking, um, being able to think outside of the box that, right. uh, you know, um, children don't have that. Now, the upside of that, but there really is no upside, but some have said if there is an upside, is that by not being able to see the big picture, as a child can is that you can't have that big picture, we'll call him God. Uh, the child can't say, what did, what did I do to God for him to do this to me? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't set up that dynamic because they don't ha- really have that capacity. And, that's, and, okay. I, and I hope I have, I'm not sounding too psychological, but that's kind of... No, that's uh, fine. So they don't but, have it. If, 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 I'm sorry, excuse me, go ahead. Well, I mean... From the research that I found about SRA and RA is mm-hmm. that this sociologist back in the late 80s, his name is Finkelhoyer, he's you know, a sociologist from New Hampshire, right. uh, you know, came up with an incredible uh, you know, uh, theory where he, you know, he got funded, I forget the grant, but he got a national grant. Him and his team 
did a full uh, battery of surveys uh, nationally with daycare agencies, um, and the original query, the question of investigation was, were children at risk in daycare agencies? And this is back in the 80s. Well, what he found is that the conclusion of his surveys is that 13% of those children that were abused were abused in a ritualistic way. And it's documented. He's got a book, and I even think he won an award for crying out loud. Um, I mean, he's been consulted by the FBI, the every letter in the name of the book. Um, and if you ever go, uh, you know, and I went to I went to uh, the University of New Hampshire's uh, website, looked at his uh, resume. I wish I had one tenth of what he's done in terms of, you know, promoting, um, you know trying to let the world know that child victimization is far more widespread than we can even imagine. Yeah, and I, when I, he came out with this supposed 13%, the the professional world, and I, and I read all about it, you know, they started to, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they started to look at him as that he wasn't this renowned sociologist anymore, it's that his experimental design and his data collection and all this other crapola was wrong. Yeah. When instead of just looking at it and saying, all right, we've got some stuff here, <laughs> you know, and yeah. then what he did is be, of that 13%, he, he put them into three groups. And even today, and I write that in my article because it's the way I look at it, there's three groups of perpetrators, whether it's straight ritualistic or satanic ritualistic, the first group is the individual that is either satanic or believes in some type of spiritual paranormal motivation. So whether it's Satan, the devil, or a pillow for for that matter, that is their, their motivation for doing what they're doing. So they're doing it to honor or to show faith or whatever that may be. That's group number one. Group number two are the individuals that suffer from thought disorders, severe psychiatric illness, whether it be schizophrenia, delusional disorder, severe obsession, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. That's another group. The third group, which is the... <laughs> which to me is the most dangerous, are the ones that are doing it for sexual gratification, number mm-hmm. one. So not only are they pedophiles, right. but what they do is is that they purposefully use paranormal and satanic ritual, not that they believe in it like the first group, mm-hmm. but they do it to intimidate the victim so right, that right. the victim won't go chat. <laughs> yep. And yeah, to me, yeah, I hear you. that group right there is what I what I started the whole conversation about. Dark side is that element to me is far worse than Lucifer. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and not to bring up you know because we tend to you know we look at Satan as being you know pristine evil. Well, at least you know 
And not that I support him, <laughs> but oh, right. at least we know that he was pissed off at God because God threw him out of heaven, and he's just you know being a big baby. Not to yeah. minimize yeah. the whole, you know, the big war and what's going to happen down the road, but you know, he this this sociologist found in the late eighteen, you know, the the, the end of the eighties is that of that 13%, and I never bought the book because I don't like to read, um, but a percentage, and even if it was one, but obviously it was more than one, <laughs> there are people out there that are willing to go to any lengths and to do anything that they <laughs> And that's what amazes me. Yeah. Yeah. It blows. It blows my mind. I'm. I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I, I can't fathom all of this. I really can't. Um, and then you had a huge contingent that all of a sudden started to put down his experimental methods. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of saying, "Dear Lord, look what's going on," yeah, I didn't um, want to admit it. Yeah. Yeah, and once again, like Dale said, is the denial. But yeah. these are incredibly professional, educated, you know, they've got, uh, you know, degrees coming out the the wazoo, but yet they're willing to sit here instead of saying, dear Lord, look what's happening to children across the country. Right, They'd right. rather spend their time saying, well, Dr. Finkel, are your experimental methods must have been incorrect because that's not possible. Well, so, there might be a little bit of jealousy there. <laughs> I don't... Um, I I, and, I just it, so what it he, seems like so, so what he so his intention of his entire survey survey and getting funded by and once again I I apologize I forget the name of the uh, of the grant of the organization but his his whole purpose had nothing to do with ritualistic abuse or satanic ritual abuse nothing. It was to measure daycare agencies across the country to see if children were at risk because of the whole latchkey movement. Right, right. You know, that that's when wow. daycare agencies and all that was becoming big, and him right. and his his group wanted to check out and see, are these good places for to be bringing our kids? That's amazing. And what did he find? 13% of those that were abused. Yeah. I wonder what the percentage is now. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's amazing. Dr. Nusatelli, uh, you you've been wonderful. We we're, we've got uh, no more time barely any time left. It's it's been really great uh, talking with you and listening to you. Um thank you so much for coming on the show. Just just give us your uh, your your website darkpsychology.co and yep, do they have to put the, the for, put the forward slash do they need to do that or it um No, they, they can just do www dot uh darkpsychology.co. And what I'm working on now is covering the stalker profile. Oh good. That should be interesting. And, and Cyber Stalker. Uh, oh god. Mm, creepy. More, much more creepier. Um <laughs> your number you can be reached is eight four five five nine two zero one two zero. And you can email Dr. Nusatelli at drmike at darkpsychology.co or um, just go to his blog, which I recommend to read. It's a really good blog. It's 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 a normal blog. It's not weird like some of the others I've seen, not that I've seen that many. Um, it's been great. 
I look forward to your book. I hope you get out with it. I know I, I can't really write that much either. Um, thank you for, for coming on, and hopefully, you know, we'll, I can talk to you again sometime. Anytime. Uh, and if I ever need to have, have a person who comes to me, I'll give them you. <laughs> I'll consider you a, a reference and a resource for them. I'm always here. Great. It, it, I'm looking forward to talking with you again someday soon. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who listened. I know there was about four or five calls. Aha. Don't know what happened. Got an email blog talk yet again. Um, one I tried to get to. Couldn't uh, hear you or you didn't speak. I'm not sure. The other ones just kind of blanked out. Uh, so I'm sorry about that. If you want to check out ztalk.com tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we may or may not be there. But you can go over there, and again, we'll be here again next Saturday at uh, 7 p.m. Thank you for joining us at Kiss, on Kiss Me, I'm Psychic, the Psychic View. Thank you, Dale. Homie, you. you've been, as usual, great. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah. thank you, guys. Have a great week. God bless. Thanks. Thank you, God. Bye-bye.